Hey, it's Nathaniel Nolf here for the Money and Faith Podcast. Before we get started, I do want to ask you, please subscribe to the show if you like it. Rate it on iTunes or Google Play. And make sure you share our link on Facebook as well. Go to Safety First Retirement on Facebook. That's Safety 1ST Retirement. Type that in on Facebook. You'll see us. Share this post. Uh, it really helps us out. Thank you, and here's the show. Good morning. Welcome to the Money and Faith Podcast. Thank you very much for joining us here on this cloudy Monday morning in Pittsburgh. My name is Nathaniel, joined as always by my father, Rich Nolf. Yeah, we're still in the process of building that ark because <laughs> I think pretty soon. Well, you know what, though? If water gets up to Natrona Heights, it's over for Pittsburgh anyways. It's over. Yeah. yeah. Do you remember, I think it was 2004, those big floods down in Terenum? Yeah. We live on, where I grew up on, and where you live, it's like on top of like a hill and then down below. That's right. It got, it got wiped. Yeah, it did. And uh, boy, that was really disruptive for our area. And uh, we continue our prayers for those in North Carolina yeah. and the way that storm is coming through. So this is the 20th episode. Did you know that? Yeah, that's pretty amazing. That's exciting. That's awesome. That's what, five <laughs> months of this? Yeah, wow. That's crazy. Boy, oh boy. We'll get to 100 episodes. We'll be looking back. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Where did that time Where go? Where did the time go? How was your weekend? What'd you do? You know, it was really busy, and we had the opportunity. We, we've we done this and always encourage the audience, as you think about family, for about two years now, my cousin's have decided we're all going to get together one Friday each month. Yeah. And I'd see them maybe once a year at the family reunion right. now. But you get to know people as you get together with them. And I think that's important. And uh, saw some old friends, some of them that were from high school and even all the way back to wow. elementary school. And uh, probably the only downer was we actually went to that Steeler game and watched that <laughs> fiasco. So. Well, yeah, but you know what it is, too? Like, you're living out, because you, like, see people that you haven't seen in a long time. You're like, we should hang out. <laughs> we should talk more. Right. I'm even experiencing that, where I'll see people I haven't seen in a long time and be like, oh, we should hang out. Guess what happens? We never do. That's right. <laughs> Another year goes by. That's nice. Two that, years. That's yep. nice you're doing that. Yep, that's wonderful. Exactly. Well, last week we had a we had a great talk on Philippians. Right. And as we were going through the episode, I'm like, there is so much more to talk about here. Exactly. I should pull notes actually. There's so much more to talk about here than what we really are. Like I think last week we kind of got on tangents with things, but there's so much more mm-hmm. to unpack inside of this That's right. book of the Bible. Yeah, I think one of the themes that comes through early in the book is when Paul's talking about the unity of the Spirit. And so he is writing a letter to a church that he really has a fondness for. And because of what he hears coming back, that they are really doing incredibly well in their walk of faith. Yes, they are uh, seeing the persecution. But when I think about that unity of the Spirit, and then I think about our journey, that uh, where we've been in ministry and what you've seen, that whole idea of unity today. And I was thinking, Nathaniel, about some of the things you've experienced, but I'd really like to get your perspective of what were some of maybe the conflicts that you saw as a, a young person growing up inside the church? Um, when you say that, what comes to mind are people that— um, that use church organizations almost as a means of power right. uh, within the organization. Yep. I think um, some of the things that I saw growing up were uh, a lot of people who didn't necessarily have this source of, this is the wrong word, but I'm going to say it anyway, this is almost entitlement 
yeah. to uh, exhibit again power within the organization. I'm just trying to just think of specific instances, and I definitely have some. Yeah. I don't want to go into detail, but people exercising authority that they didn't really have anywhere else. So these two kind of ideas merge where we have power, but we're also trying to be very faithful. And it was that was always really bizarre and a little bit um, a little bit off-putting growing up. Yeah, and I hope you will. I mean, we don't have to share anyone's name, that's yeah. uh, for sure. But it, it, I don't know why, but in a church and with a pastor, there are a, a sizable group of people within all churches that really believe that they're the boss, and yeah. that the pastor works for them. I mean, they, they do give them a salary, maybe a housing allowance covering expenses, right. but they, they feel that he should be taking their orders and doing what they say. Uh, I think the other thing that in church, we have a theology. And so right. the church is based on uh, the lordship of Jesus, his death for our sins and salvation through him alone. Right. But people are very cloudy and in how theology unfolds for the church and their lives. But they, too many times, I've seen, feel that they have an expertise in it, even okay. though they may not have opened up a Bible. Or read, read a couple books that aren't the Bible. That's right. And then they have this authority yeah. over you. Uh, that's really interesting, because you dealt with that, you know, in many, many different church organizations. Right. Why do you think people use this theology as a means of trying to dictate what happens inside the organization. I would say my answer to that would be there's different um, different ways to, uh, not translate's the wrong word, but different ways to take in the word and different ways where people, um, they, people don't see eye to eye with the meaning of the text. Right. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. It does because, and that's the work of a pastor, is to preach and teach. Those are the highest priorities. Teach and preach the truth. That's right. Exactly. But it, you know, that in many uh, individuals is a function, but they've set other priorities as being higher, like uh, going out there and making sure you're making home visits for example, right. or making sure you're um, working in whatever functions going on inside the church, uh, show up at all the meetings. Um, and it kind of, in from a pastor perspective, really can fill up a schedule in a way that, that takes you from what should be biblically your highest priority. Yeah, absolutely highest priority. Do you think it's the responsibility of a minister to do those things though be involved in meetings make house visits do you think that's part of the job description i i see in the current um unfolding of the church where we really don't attempt to employ the spiritual gifts of all individuals so because everyone who is saved has at least one of the spiritual gifts and could be multiple gifts, but we haven't really found a way to connect those with hands-on type of ministry. And so what we see happening as churches grow, they begin to layer on staff. 
And so they, they hire a youth leader okay. or they hire the music ministry. Right. And so these become paid positions where are there people in the congregation that have gifts, but we haven't really found a way of connecting them into those leadership roles. And it can't be easier because we can fire staff. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's, yeah. It's like you can't get kicked off the church basketball team. That's right. Like you can't. That's right. You don't get cut. Yeah. yeah, I understand that. And then there creates, if people aren't in the right job function, then there creates tension if you don't know what you're talking about. Right. And then you get into these spiritual arguments. Yeah. Do you um, do you think that pulls people, uh, th- those type of fights and those types of, uh, just those, th- those types of events, do you think they pull you away from the, your answer is going to be yes, but they pull you away from what you're there to do at church. Well, not only that, but what it does is it can cause great anxiety and worry right. uh, within the church because it's many times the pastor is kind of like this lone wolf. I mean, I always said that whenever you end up going to a new church and you go to that first administrative board meeting, there's only one empty chair and it's for you. And everybody else has already been in that room, maybe for months or years. Yeah. And so they already have an established routine. Right. And, and they kind of, maybe even in a nonverbal way, have a, a power structure right. in place. And so we were always taught, try not to make a whole lot of changes in that first year. Right. But how do we really find a way to say, and you know what? And we we kind of did this when we were down in the Beaver Valley, where I saw this change happening from as more people were involved in studying God's Word. And we had a lengthy Bible study. It would take nine months to complete. But when we got to a level of graduates from that program, I saw a shift. I saw this shift where instead of me trying to go out and invite people to participate, people started coming to me and saying, look, I have this idea, or I feel led to do this. And my work at that time was then just be administrator, try to find uh, a structure for that calling or some funds right. to help that, and then just let them go. Right. Let them be guided by the Lord and get my hands out of it. Right. You don't have that. to do the clerical work behind that. Right. Let them do. Let them take that vision and go with it. Yeah. <clears throat> That's yeah. interesting. Yeah, and I'll—, I'll you know, how many times I'll, I'll refer back to this, but the, the one time it just really like an epiphany because I was so active as a person in a local church without being in, in ministry at the time. And I remember we were getting ready for one of our dinners and I was driving to pick up the bread. And I just realized like at maybe one of the red lights, why am I doing this? Why am I out here getting the bread? <clears throat> right. When... Somebody else should have been empowered have been to do that, to somebody else. and yeah. I could have been looking to go deeper into the text I was going to use on Sunday. Um, so a lot of that is how our society has really become so busy and right. so active, and to try to get people to come back out during the evening. And then I guess where I'm struggling is, what does this whole unity of the church mean that Paul's mm-hmm. talking about in Philippians? And because people are people. I mean, we're going to have disagreements. Right. We're going to have different characters. And I don't know 
no matter how much we get together, how, <clears throat> will I ever like everybody? When I think of unity, and when I read it, when I think of and read unity of the church, is he talking about the church as a group of people who get together on Sunday, or is he talking about the church, <clears throat> capital C, like right. the the body of Christ, not just within an organization or a church, but across the, you know, the world? Is right. he talking about that church? And when I read it, I think unity of those people, not necessarily yeah. that we interpret the Bible in the same way, yeah even if that's what we should be doing, but a, a active search for truth in our faith. Right. I, when I read it, that's what I, I think of. I think of not just an organization, but the church as a whole. Right. Is that a way to interpret that that sounds correct? Yeah, I think in the Philippians, Paul is talking about the unity of that local church, unified in spirit. And I think he's doing that in each of his letters to these congregations. He doesn't want internal fighting, disagreements. You know, I think back to First Corinthians where some were saying, you know, I'm a disciple of Paul and I'm a disciple of Jesus. And he got, kind of goes through a couple names there. But he said, did I die for your sins? No. Mm-hmm. And so it's it's getting in these little bit of, um, and it was, be too powerful to say cult but it's these personality plays that right. can happen inside of a church I've, sadly i've seen that even with big churches that have multiple pastors right. people start to gravitate towards one over the other right and that kind of stirs up but i sense that jesus desire was that all believers around the world should be united Right, but what what are we doing? We're having problems just getting one local church. Yeah, to unite. isn't that something? Yeah. I mean that that speaks to something greater in society too, yeah. where people don't get along because of gravitating towards particular ideas. I mean, you talk about two different ministers in a church; it almost feels like, of course, you're going to pick a side. Yeah, it almost feels like, of course, you're going to gravitate towards one or the other, for better or worse. I mean, if you prefer a particular type of sermon, you know, you're going to gravitate towards that person. And I think part of it comes from a confirmation bias where I am going to like the minister more who tells me who, what I want to hear on a Sunday morning. I'm going to check the box to be at church, but I'm also going to get fed what I already know to be truth. And I think that's where a lot of, a lot of problems come from, especially in faith. Right. Like you wanting to just hear what you want to hear. You're not growing as a, a person. You're yeah. not growing as a spirit. You're not growing in your spiritual walk. Right. And that's, I think that's part of the problem. Yeah. And, and it's almost like you just said it there, like check off that I went to church this week. And I don't see that in any way Jesus wanted us to just check off a list no. because what that does is that just really subtly slides into a works oriented faith right that if I can just okay I get to church uh, I throw some bucks in that plate maybe I show up at a committee meeting and I make a contribution to some Bible organization okay I've done this and so I've, I've met my criteria but I've got this other life over here Yeah, and that's interesting to think about it in conflicts within the church, too, because those people are doing what they think 
you'd hope they think they're doing what's right in the name of the Lord, yeah. standing up for what they believe in because they think Pastor Rich Nolf is wrong about something. Right. And I know it through the blood of Christ. Like yeah. I know that he is wrong about that, so I'm going to tell him about it. Yeah. And I'm going to make sure that he knows that he's wrong on this. And I think that comes from a position of power and not being, um, you know, not listening. Right. And I, 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 that has to be part of it. That has to be part of the big conflicts of the church. Yeah. Where I think I'm doing something correct in the name of the Lord. Well, you know, and I just, this kind of hit me too, is that in these denominational systems where you bring in a pastor, you've given him a salary, you could have allowed him to live in a house that the church owned and supplying, paying the taxes, paying the utilities, um, being responsible for the upkeep. But then what I've seen happen too is that where the power struggle can be, wait a minute, pastor, uh, we start to see that maybe we're not going to do that repair project over there. Hmm. The way those disagreements can play out in that, well, okay, this is going to affect your... um, maybe how you're living under the umbrella of the church paying for everything. And so those kind of little power plays, because you look at what Paul said, and yes, pastors being paid, uh, but Paul worked on his own to supply for his needs. He took contributions from churches, but have we gone so far, has the pendulum swung so far that we've got a professional pastoral uh, set up that really now kind of has to put that pastor under the thumb of different boards or committees Yeah, through that too. To them, it's checks and balances, right? Yeah. I mean, you don't want one person in power making all of the decisions. Right. I think that's part of it for yeah. sure. Yeah, who is running the, the main committee, administrative council or session, and is that person of equal authority as to the pastor? I think biblically that would that would be wrong. Yeah, but it goes back to what I've said on this podcast before. Like, I think if Jesus came back and saw this, I yeah. mean, he sees it. Like, I think he would be upset that people made this big religion out of him. Yeah, that, that's what that that is what I think. Oh yeah, I think it just even you, you look at um, like with Galatians, how quickly they kind of fell into some of the traps of false doctrines, right. and even in Philippians, boy, the way Paul condemns that, being careful what doctrines right. you're following, and don't just uh, align yourself with someone who is a powerful speaker, a dynamic personality. Right. Be, listen. Right. But you know what? You're, you're just not ever going to be in a position unless you actually pick up the Bible and read it yourself. Right. You know, you can be sold, right. um, and that happens throughout life. So for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you very much for joining us here on the Money and Faith podcast on this Monday morning. Uh, if you like us, follow us on Facebook, search Safety First Retirement. Um, Father Rich Nall posts the one you heard talking. Uh, he posts uh, videos every single day on Facebook. Make sure you check those out. Give us a like or share. Uh, I will be at Chicantes in Jefferson Hills uh, for seminars. Uh, throughout the month of September, and you will be at Rachel's Roadhouse, yeah, correct? Butler. Butler. That's right. Yes. So if you want to see us live, check out some uh, really interesting retirement planning concepts. Make sure you go to our Facebook. You can even sign up straight through there. Shoot us a message. Give us a call. We'd be happy to 
Happy to have you in 412-772-8575. And make sure, as always, you visit Safety First Retirement. Excuse me, safetyfirstretirement.com. <laughs> I'm going to edit that out. <laughs> Maybe. Uh, safety1stretirement.com. Well, thank you very much for joining us here. We will see you next Monday morning. Take care. <laughs>